All right. Welcome. Welcome to Multiply Church this morning. It's good to see you guys. I'm really, really glad to be here uh, myself today. So thank you. Uh, yeah, woo! <laughs> yeah, we're all glad to be with you. Uh, that's for sure. And uh, we do have a few things going on uh, this month. So I just want to give you a few announcements that uh, you can put on your calendar. You can get all these same details from the beautiful email I sent you last week. Uh, but we do have an owner's meeting this Thursday at 6.30. And then we have the well Friday and the men's breakfast on Saturday. So busy week this week. If you want to be uh, a part of the body and involved and hanging out with people, there's some really good opportunities to do that this week. And then uh, we have the memorial for Gary Gallagher on January 29th. And I hope to see uh, everybody there. And uh, we're going to give you guys ways to be a part of that in preparation and uh, carrying that out as well. So um, just be on the lookout and put that date on your calendar, please. So I'm going to pray for us this morning. Uh, I'm really excited for this week and actually the next couple of weeks. Uh, Christopher is going to be delivering uh, a series on unity. And it's, uh, I think from what we've talked about, it's a direction of uh, unity that really doesn't get talked about much in the church. I haven't, haven't really heard it talked about this way before. So I think that it's going to challenge some of us to think about things a little bit differently. Um, and I think it's going to be really refreshing. We're going to be recording the next three weeks because we'd like to be able to use uh, this series kind of as a, uh, a foundational thing for whenever people say, hey, I think I want to be a part of Multiply. Well, I'm like, well, let's make sure that we're on the same page first about what it means to be unified in Christ. So... Um, yeah, I'm just really excited. I'm going to pray for us. Father, thank you so much um, for your blessings and for your mercy. And God, I can't, uh, I couldn't be more thankful today um, to be able to be here and, and for my family to be safe and here as well. And God, I just want to pray for the message this morning uh, and for the worship, God, that uh, that your spirit would be what's speaking, God, that this is this idea of unity is no man-made idea. Actually, we're the ones that keep screwing it up. And God, I pray that your spirit and your word speak loud and clear today, God, as we try to dive in and examine exactly what you, what you mean uh, whenever you look at us and um, yeah, what we need to do and, and how we can look at things a little bit differently as Christ followers and uh, what unity should mean to us um, versus what some of us may have experienced in the past. God, speak loud and clear and receive our worship today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. We're going to be in Genesis chapter (laughs) 1. We're going to go through the whole book uh, this morning. Not really, we're not going to go through the whole book, but um, we're going to talk about unity, and uh, as he was saying, and one of the the big things about unity, I think, that it's it's missed is that it's one of the base narratives, base foundational storylines throughout the whole scripture, is this idea of, of unity. And I think that um, this morning what I want to do is, I think that the, the church has overall handled unity in a way um, that I think when you, when you look at this, the scripture, the church has handled it very shallowly, if you will. Um, it's almost this, well, as long as we think the same things, then we're unified, but really only face-to-face and not behind closed doors, and we're unified until something happens that makes us disagree, and then we don't know how to deal with ourselves, you know, and so um, I, I want to 
do something specific and and special is I want to intro this idea of unity from God's original design. Now, how many of you have been taking the Bible study in Genesis? All right, so you're you got a you got a good head start kickstart on this. So, um, I'm going to be Genesis 126 and 127, very very familiar verses for uh, most of us, for some of us, and you know what? It may not be familiar at all for uh, for others. And so, I want to just kind of get us all on the same page as we move into uh, next week and see what God has for us. Um, this is the most Christianity is the most diverse movement in the history of the world. Most diverse movement in the history of the world. It is... It's the most represented movement in the history of the world. Where every tribe and nation and every tongue, every country, every person, every whatever... Every place has, um, in some way, shape, or form, a church represented, except those that are completely not reached, you know, tribes somewhere that, that we don't know or, or hear about. And they're, they're still making moves to, to reach those, those folks. But this is the most diverse movement in the history of the world, and Jesus is the unifying God and the tangible leader, if you will. And... By that I mean is that there are so many things that we can believe in the world and go after and go for, and there's several things that we must unify around, or there's things that we have to, um, I guess, adhere to or assimilate to. In Christianity, Jesus is the, the unifying factor. He came to this earth for many reasons, and one of them is to be a physical representation of God himself and to be that leader and say that, hey, Everybody from, from the past to everything in the future revolves around me. Everything that you need to know, it, it, it revolves around me. I am the Son of God. I am the unifying factor. And such in, in the, the idea of, um, of unity is that he actually gave us the chance to have new DNA, if you will, as new people. And so it's the most diverse movement in the country. Um, We have more in common, like this morning, you have more in common with a believer from Nigeria who lives in a hut in the middle of a grassland than you do with someone that works with you who's not a believer. You have more in common this morning than with a Chinese believer who on their Sabbath, the day that they celebrate uh, and they come together, that they have to meet in secret in caves or in underground churches. You have more in common with them, even though legitimately that may be a language that all of us, like when I hear some languages, I'm like, "Ah, I can pick up some things. When I hear that, I'm like, I have no clue. But listen, we have more in common. We have more in common with that person, if they're a believer, than we do the person that even lives in our own home if they don't know Christ. We have more in common with a Russian believer who lives in a cold shack in the middle of somewhere and like knows zero English and has completely different culture because everything is based on ice than we do with a person that's our neighbor if they're not a believer. 
we have more in common with those who know Jesus, regardless of what surrounds them or what culture they come from or what history they come from, than with any person that is most like us in so many ways. They could be on the same intelligence level. They, they could like the same TV shows. They could pull for the same team. They could all that kind of stuff. They could go to the, you know, the, the same coffee shop or whatever it may be. But like we have more in common with someone who's a believer, regardless of where they come from, than we do with anybody else. That's really crazy to think about. Just think about that for a minute. Why? Why is that? It's because Jesus is our king. And every decision we make, everything that we do, everything that we pursue and go after, he's the filter through which we look. Somebody may have half as much money as you do or twice as much money as you do. We make decisions through the same king. There is no standing or elevation of status for anything. It is Jesus and then us. And that's it. As I said earlier, unity is a main narrative of the whole Bible. Um, and I, I really could go from, from Genesis 1 to Revelation and point out all the scriptures that, that bring this uh, to light, but that would take like weeks and weeks to do because it's everywhere. It's so many places where the idea of unity is one of the main purposes. And what, it's one of the main identifying, identifying factors of creation, but the main purposes of Jesus and his redemptive story and what he did and him dying on the cross and raising from the grave is so that we could be unified. So much so that in John 17, when he has a prayer right before he's about to go before uh, uh, Pilate and, and all everything to, to be crucified, he's praying. He's saying, like, God, what does he ask? God, make them what? Make them one as we are one. Make them one as we are one. So what I want to do is I want to start this morning and I want to look at Genesis 126 and 127 and look at God's design for this creation or this created unity, if you will. And I want to <clears throat> look at the original uh, blueprint. And it's really cool because the language I feel like that we read the, the word in doesn't have a ton of, um, uh, I, I guess, in, in chapter 126 and 27, it doesn't have... Um, I guess, the language to be able to communicate what it's really trying to communicate. And so some of you are in the Genesis Bible study. You'll, you'll be like, oh, yeah, we studied this. But not, most, most folks don't know uh, the aspects of what it's trying to communicate here. So um, I wanted to, to say, though, is that to be able to understand and to, to grasp or to um, begin to walk this road towards unity, like I, I need us all to understand something, okay? Can we say okay, everybody? All right, so <clears throat> we have to understand that unity... Unity is more incredible than we could ever imagine or fathom. Unity is more incredible than we could ever imagine or fathom. So much so that on this side of eternity, we'll never understand it per se. But we'll be seeking it. But it is more incredible than we could ever imagine. I, I believe that when I, we hear the word unity, it's just like this buzzword that's like this Christian thing that we should do. 
But I'm just, I just want you to know that if, if I could, the, God alone is a never-ending treasure chest of goodness and things that we could never even understand in our wildest dreams and study our whole entire lives. And unity, a part of that, is the same thing. It's, such a, it's a deep well. It's a deep well that continues to be talked, talked through Scripture because of how important it is. Biblical unity is far more invasive than you could ever imagine. Biblical unity is far more invasive than you could ever imagine. So when we think about unity, again, I I feel like it's this idea of, yes, we all get along. And I'm like, no, unity from the biblical perspective puts our life under a microscope and says, these are the things that don't unify you well. These are the things that are idols to you that you won't unify because of. These are things that we believe or think. Many of us, I mean, listen, on this side of eternity, I could say this every day about every one of us, regardless of how long we've walked with Christ. Every one of us, have, have, we have aspects of our life that we are more allegiant to than God. You have aspects of your life that you are more allegiant to than God. Everybody, all of us. So when we talk about unity, it's supposed to be this, ah, this like happy thing. And it is an incredibly happy thing and joyous thing. But at the same time, we have to recognize that what God is doing is he's ridding us of the things that don't promote it. And it's invasive. And it makes us look at everything we believe politically, everything we believe religiously, everything we believe socially, all that. We have to put it under the microscope and say, what actually filters through Jesus and what doesn't? Because if it doesn't filter through Jesus, it's going to lead to disunity. So it's invasive. And the, the third thing is it's extremely rewarding. So yes, it's difficult. But at the same time, you all need to know that like when the scripture talks about unity and like how we're to go about it and what it actually produces in us, It is absolutely, insanely rewarding because we don't even understand as a people the depths of who we are in Christ until we allow the unity of the kingdom of God to wash over us. So I want to get to to that. I want to just pray for a second. Um, I want you to do me a favor. I just want you to ask God to bridge the gap in your heart this morning. Bridge the gap of, like, I have zero expectation that anybody in the room ever, that we like, okay, now I get it. But there's aspects of of unity that we're going to talk about in the next three weeks that I want us to be like, you know, I don't get it all, but I'm a little closer. And the difference between what we understand of unity and what the scripture calls for is like this giant chasm that only the kingdom of God can fulfill. That only our king can fulfill. So I just want to pray for that this morning and then we'll head into uh, the text. Lord, this morning, um, I just, I pray and ask that you would... um, I pray, God, that you would fill, you would fill in some gaps 
this morning. Father, I pray that you would teach us this morning. Father, I pray that things would become more clear, evident, understood. God, I pray that this idea of unity in and of itself, Lord, we it's just like the word love. It's just like everything that we know of, God, we only know just the, the, the surface amount if we know it at all. At the same time, God, you promise riches, unsearchable riches and goodness and peace and joy. And I just pray that you bring that to us this morning. Even if we just get a morsel, a glimpse of this, the, the next step that you have for us. So it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Um, so Genesis one twenty six and one twenty seven, um, it reads like so. <clears throat> this is a creation story, um, and we get to the point where God is going to. Uh, he's just made the the you know, everything around us, and now at this point, He's making mankind. He says in verse twenty six, "Then God said, Let us make man in our image." according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and every other creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, And God created man in his own image. In his image, or in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God said, let us make man in our own image. Lord, will you bridge the gap for us this morning? Let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Um, the word us there is something that I, I want us to, to take a second to, to think about because the word us um, isn't something that you would picture saying if you're like, hey, I'm about to go put this board up. I don't say, hey, let us go do this. I say, let me go do this. There's a lot of misunderstandings or a lot of ideas of what this us could mean. But I, I just want to say uh, this in speci- uh, specific about this word us. is Us is obviously plural, correct? Us is obviously plural. Now, I'm not going to break down the doctrine of the Trinity this morning. And I'm not saying that this is specifically talking about the Trinity because the Trinity wasn't necessarily a thought process yet. However, we do see that even in the first few verses of the Bible that it does talk about uh, the Word of God. The Word was who? Jesus. The Word was Jesus. The Word in, in, in John, it says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then it says the, the what hovered over the waters? The Spirit, all through Scripture. Now, I I want you to understand this. There are so many things about the Bible that that we study and we come to conclusions about. And it's something that's like this belief system that we have to agree on or believe in. But then we have to recognize that it it's like whispered about all through Scripture. Like even even when sin comes into the world and God, God says that he will bruise your heel and he, you will crush his head, talking about the serpent that tempted and brought uh, uh, sin into, the, into the, the image. He's already foreshadowing Jesus. 
So <clears throat> in this, it may not be specifically talking about the Trinity, uh, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but um, we do know that it says us, okay? And so the idea of us there is everyone who's been involved in creation thus far um, leads us to believe that this is multiple. Now, the Trinity just means God exists in three and one. Now, again, I'm not going to go through the the doctrine of the Trinity because it's really, really difficult. We could spend years on that, but I, I want to just say that that God exists in, in, in three persons that have different purposes and different um, manifestations, not manifestations. Some people would say that that's a bad thing to to say, but I don't think we're going that deep. Um, God exists in, in three persons, but he's, he's unified. So God, and then God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, and each of those uh, three play a different role, if you will. They have a different role in the salvation uh, history, in the creation story, in every other aspect. They have a, a different role, if you will, but they are absolutely one. So when it says, let us make man in our own image, it says, um, let us, God the Father, if you could think about it this way, that will make it easier. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit together said, let us make man in our image. Now, man there is not just this idea of man, let me make this man. It's let us make mankind or humankind. Let us make humankind in our image. Because the idea that, that we often circle around is that God made Adam, and Adam was made in, was made in God's image. But that's not really what it said. He said, let us make humankind in our image. So therefore, humankind, everyone represents his image. It doesn't mean the image of God isn't reflected in our lives, but it means that all of us together are actually what reflects the image of God. Does that make sense? The image. It means a single image of the divine. It is an actual picture of the divine. And then it also goes on, it says, let them rule over, uh, which then just kind of helps us bring out this idea of he's talking about humankind. I'm not, not saying any doctrinal statement about Adam and Eve or human, how, who all was created at one time, whatever. I'm just saying that right now, we just know that God said, we are going to make man in our image and in our likeness. There will be a representation of us, a picture of us, all of them together, all of them together. So I, don't, I wanted to just kind of put that on the table. Um, verse uh, 27 is actually an interesting verse. It repeats a lot of different things. Um, and in different ways so that we, can, we get the idea of what he's trying to say. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's wanting to, to point something out to us that's extremely important, and it's the fact that God created humankind as a whole to be a picture of who he is and to reflect his glory throughout the earth. Now, sin, we know, messed all that up, but I want to start just with his design and his intention this morning. So I have my handy-dandy drawing here. Don't laugh at it. Yeah, don't laugh at it. I want us to pick out two, like, really important things that we can take with us as we continue talking for the next couple weeks. So... <clears throat> Oh, sorry. 
might be. Yeah, now you can laugh. Let me just, let me just do this. Can y'all see it? Lacey, you're, yeah, it's really struggling. It's all right, just lean. <laughs> just lean. So, a couple things I want us to, to you know, to pick up from this, uh, uh, these verses is when it says, let us make man humankind in our image. He's portraying and specifically letting us know that he is different but one. So the idea is that we were created to be different. Like all of us were created to be different. When, we, when he says, let us, he's saying, let us who are different but one create all of humankind different but one. Okay, so... We were designed to be different. And through our identity in God, our unity reflects his glory. So I, I would use the, the car example um, of a car is made up of many parts, has tons of different aspects of it that make it uh, a part of a car. But honestly, like, you only need four brake calipers, you know, like you only need four tires unless it's another kind of tank or something, but you only need four tires. You know, you don't need the whole thing to be tires and you don't need the whole thing to be a windshield and you don't need the whole thing just to be the nuts and bolts. You don't need the whole thing to be an engine. You need all the different parts to work together. And it, in the end, when it all comes together, it reflects what a car is actually supposed to be. So let us make man in, in our own image is we are different, but we are one, and we are creating man to be different, and we are one. I, I don't think that in the end we really, I, I want, mm, if I could just like open up our imagination for a moment. I think that as a people, we go to a certain level of unity, and then we stop. It's like, as long as we agree on the same things with this or that, or as long as we um, believe this about this or that, or as long as we get along, or as long as we, um, whatever it is. But the idea of, of biblical unity is... Some of us in this room, God made you a very just person. God made you a very just person. You naturally believe hard work. You believe hard work pays off. And you believe that if there's something that's wrong, then it needs to be fixed and someone needs to bear the consequences. And... You believe that, how many of you feel like you're a high justice person? Yeah, my wife is, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, like if there's something wrong, somebody's got to make it right, right now, you know? Maybe that, the right now part's just my wife, but. <laughs> but a high justice person is like someone walks up to you and you say, you know, uh, and they say, I'm really struggling. It's like, well, what, what have you done to make you struggle? Why are you struggling? 
Okay, now some of us are made that way and we think that way. And then some of us are made extremely merciful in the sense of, I don't care if you've made every irresponsible decision the rest of your, or in your prior history to this point. I just want things to be better now. And some of us are made that way. How many of you count yourself as a high mercy person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we all have... Like, we all have different measures of that, right? But the point is, is like, if this is person one, person two, person three, is that we all look at Jesus, the unifying factor, through different or from different angles. But when, we, when it comes out, when we come together and bring that out, we have a better, more godly view of what justice and mercy is. Meaning, if you're high justice this morning, like, it is vital that you are with someone that is high mercy because you're going to have a better representation of what Jesus is for the world around you. Now, I could, get, I could go to everything that makes us different and say the same thing, but that's the point, is that we were created to be different yet unified. And when we are unified, what we produce or what emanates out of us is so much better. Now, I hesitated to share this, but I'll share it anyway. I have to walk a long way over here. Um, this past year, whether or not you're a Democrat or Republican, was like ridiculous, right? Can we just say that it's ridiculous? Right? Now, There are reasons that people are Democrat or Republican, and we all assume we know why. And there are times when Democrats and Republicans can go, can go way too far on sides, and you're just like, nope. But just, just for the, the point of example, this is a really heavy topic. Does it feel heavy in the room with that? <laughs> so there are aspects of what at least the foundation of what the Democrat Party or the Republican Party is doing that fits the way that God made us. You hear me? The baseline. And it has actually a lot to do with justice and mercy, FYI. As a Republican, what I'm saying is, like, you need to be around a Democrat. And as a Democrat, like, you need to be around... Republican, because I'm telling you, neither one of them's got the truth cornered. But there's aspects of the kingdom that can be found inside of those thought processes that only when we come together does it actually produce a better view of an issue that we're actually looking at. Does that make sense? But, I mean, I could, I could go down the line of everything. You know, my, I'm, I'm not supposed to raise my daughter, Elena, the way that I want to. I'm supposed to raise my daughter the way that we raise my, our daughter. Because I, like, God made me to be a father in a certain way. And God made my wife to be a mother in a certain way. And 
Thank you. And what we, if we can actually come together and say, okay, so what does God say about whatever it is? If we can talk through and walk through whatever it is that we're dealing with, with our daughter. If we can be clear and honest with each other. If we can ask each other good questions. If we can make sure and check ourselves, then the way that we'll raise our daughter will be monumentally better than if one of us wants to raise her one way and the other one wants to raise her another way. But God made my wife different than myself. Obviously. And that together produces this unity that I'm, that I'm talking about. We have some folks in the room that are extremely high on doctrine. I'm not, <laughs> extremely high on doctrine. Um, I guess you could say that too. And some of us in the room are, when I talk about doctrine, you're like, I don't really think about that. I just want to like figure out what to do and live that way, right? How many of you are high doctrine? Like, I, I want to know the ins and outs of everything and what it says and what it means. Yep. <laughs> right? And then and, and how many of us in the room can say, you know what? Like, I do care about that. I want to make sure that it's right. But I just want to know how I'm supposed to live and move and go on in life. Right? Right? The, like, I want you to know that, like, both of those two types of people need each other. Like, it's ridiculously important that you're around each other. It's important that you bounce ideas off of each other. It's important for the person who's high on doctrine to hear from the other person, hey, sometimes you just need to chill out and you need to go pray because you don't even do the things that you're talking about. But there needs to be people that are high on doctrine around because they need to say, hey, I know that you're just moving along, but like, there are... Like, this, this is a good direction. This is what God's word says. <clears throat> our identity in God, number two, our identity in God, it is the key to being able to reflect his image. Our identity in God is the key to being able, able to reflect his image. I want to share something with you that I share from experience, and um, and I, I just want us to kind of think about it for a second. Is that uh, our identity in in, in Christ and in, in from our Father God is uh, is what makes us and gives us the ability to be unified. I will say that in this room, none of us have grasped what our identity is in Christ yet. None of us have grasped what our identity in Christ and what that means. We don't, we don't understand that yet. So what I mean by that is going back to what I said earlier is that we all, we all on this side of eternity experience some sort of idolatry. There's something that we look at in our lives that is more important than Jesus. And you say, well, that's not me. I'm like, yeah, right. 
Like we're, we're sinners saved by grace on, and God is continually refining us and making us new and making us right. But on this side, we are, we are idol factories that continue to make things that we worship. And by the way, an idol is anything that you look to to give you meaning. Anything you look to to give you identity. Anything you look to to make things matter the way that you want them to matter. So yeah, we do that all the time. We look away from Christ. But at the same time, it is in looking at Christ and having our identity in him that allows us to actually be unified. By that, I mean, like with this, God gives us our unity, like this bucket right here. God completely refills and fills and fills our bucket, if you will, of the things that we really need and want and, and, and have to have to have meaning. And when God does that and he continually gives it, we're able to let loose of what we have because it's so freely given and we're not having to, to hold it like we're stingy or making sure that we keep it nice and fresh. That's God's job to give us our identity. That's God's job to give us our meaning. That's God's job to give us all of those things. And so what we're able to do is that the people that are around us is that we're able to give them water and they you know this guy right here is walking away with a bucket full of water the point is is that we don't have to hoard up all these things in order to make sure that we keep our identity intact when god is the 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 their origin of our identity we're able to actually be unified because the things the things that disunify us and the things that make us look elsewhere the things that make us look off The things that grab our hearts and make us almost tethered to them. Those things are just us turning the bucket around and saying, stay over there. In fact, won't you just give me some of yours? And when we turn around, we go out from under the unity that God is providing or the identity that God is providing. I have no, I, no expectation that we would all understand the idea of our identity right now, but we do need to be discovering what it is. And what we've seen with all the issues that we've gone through in the past year and a half around us, and especially in the church, let me just concentrate on the churches, we've seen how the things in our lives that we're tethered to, that we didn't recognize that we were tethered to, so in-depth that they gave us identity such that when it was challenged, we turned around and said, no, And some of us say no violently. And if we just see around us, we see people violently just angry and upset at each other. It's because the idea of God being our identity is not a concentration. Like if I could say one thing this morning that I want to make sure that we leave with is that God is the source of our identity, our meaning, everything. 
And if he's giving us our identity, our meaning, and everything, we don't have to cut and fight and scrape to get it. How many of you feel like this past year you've cut and fought and scraped just to be able to try to win an argument or to get your point across? I mean, everybody. Listen, hear me. God made you in a specific way, in a, for a specific purpose, just like the Trinity. And he, he gave you gifts, and he gave you thought processes that you naturally have. But he did not give you those things to try to convince the world to think like you. He gave you those things so that the people of God will be better for it. But all of us, how many, I mean, if I said, how many of you have felt like outcasts this past year? Everybody could, or this past couple years, everybody could raise their hand. We could all raise our hand 10,000 times because we feel like we're just, we feel like we're from the moon, right? But do you see that like that's the opposite of what God is trying to do? He's like, no, you're not from the moon. I made you. And you are made specifically and intentionally with a certain gifting, with a, a specific leaning, with a specific mental process that allows you to process information. But listen, you can't do that alone in isolation because you alone are not the image bearer of God. You together are the image bearer of God. Does that make sense? You together are the image bearer of God. And if we look around, so many things that we see now that have the Christian label on it, it's really what you believe socially and then Christians underneath that. It's what you believe about this and then Christian is underneath that. Because God forbid you bring up any other option. We do not do well with the invasiveness of what unity actually is because it gets all up in our business. And it makes us ask questions. And honestly, what I've said from the beginning with all of what's going on with COVID and everything is... <laughs> This is a time where God is revealing where all of our idols are. This is a time where God is revealing what we're tethered to. It's a time where God is revealing that truly we don't trust our children to the Lord. God is revealing that truly we, we don't love our neighbor. God is revealing that we truly only want to unify with each other to a certain point and we don't want to go any further. Because that challenges the way that I think. We are so entrenched as people. And listen, I'm, I'm not like saying something that's unique about you or about the, like this is, that's the human condition. The human condition is to turn the bucket around and say, no, this is me. Don't mess with it. It's only when he's filling it up do you have the peace to say, This is how God made me. How do you see God? And I'm not saying how do you see God as in like your idea. 
the, the, we do center around Jesus. Like we do believe something. We do have a unifying factor. So it's not like what you, whatever, you know what I'm saying. But like, how do you look at this situation? Because this social issue that was just on the news for the past two weeks, I think this, and I've been really frustrated, and I've been commenting on somebody's wall, wall, Facebook wall, they don't even have that anymore. I've been commenting on somebody's comments or whatever, and I'm doing all this, what do you think about it? And like, we, we don't sit there and think, like, for a second, like, how did God create you and make you, and how do you look at this situation, and how can I actually get a better idea of this situation because of how God made you? You know, like that's, that's hard. Like the church, the people of God are supposed to have the best, most loving solutions and directions in church. Like that's what we're called to. But we really only see that when we recognize that God made us differently. And that is Okay. He gave us different skin color. He gave us different backgrounds. He gave us different uh, intelligence levels. He gave us different ideas of all these things, like so many ways that every single person is unique. And that is actually awesome. And one of the things I've shared really since we started here at Multiply was that we have an amazing opportunity to see the image of God being reflected because we are surrounded by truly a lot of different types of folks. And I think what God is doing in the church right now is he's letting the church know all the different types of folks is that everything that kept you separated is null. I believe out of this, a new and pure church is going to emerge that recognizes that, you know what? I did not recognize how tied I was to my culture. I did not know how tied I was to my beliefs about this or that. I did not recognize how intensely I guarded my thought process about whatever it may be. But yet, that's what we're called to. That's what we're called to as a people. So for you individually, I want to say this morning, some of you may have felt like you're on the moon because you don't fit. And I just want to let you know that if Jesus is your king, you fit in the kingdom. Zero questions asked. And we need to stop being afraid to figure that out and ask questions and talk it out and think about it, and research it. Like individually, God made you specifically, intentionally, on purpose, for a purpose, to look at things from an angle that only you can look at them from. Not only did God make us different, but we all have different history and past that make us look at something different. I want you to know that like God made you the way that you are, and that's awesome. That's really, really good. And while we definitely need to continue to ask Jesus to purify us, it's really good. 
and he's going to do it. But collectively, as a church, my encouragement for us and, and like what I want us to see is, like, man, we need to ask, what are we tethered to that keeps us from being able to be unified? What if I looked at this unity in such a way that it only can pique my imagination because it's so unimaginable? What if I actually sought after that? What if I went after that? You know how we always ask you guys to spend time together? One of the reasons we ask you to spend time together is so that you do build these relationships with each other. Uh, so that you can come together in such a way and truly uh, image bear something that reflects reflects our creator. So, this is amazing news. Like, this is incredible news. Like, this is a major, a major storyline of the gospel itself. That when Jesus came, he came to make sure that we all knew, hey, this is how God created you, and I'm restoring that. I want you to be together. I want you to be unified. It's amazing news for us because I'm telling you, If we had a dollar for every time we felt lonely in this past year. We have a dollar for every time we felt lonely in this past year. But we didn't know that we could go to our brother and have a safe place to actually communicate and talk about what's going on. You know what I'm saying? This is some of the greatest news about the gospel that if we could say gospel and then like subset of letters this is some of the greatest news that we could ever imagine because we walk around every day and the world teaches us to be isolated and the world teaches us to follow suit with some idea other than Christ and it just continually leads to death continually 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 just leads to death The only thing in this room that should have our allegiance is Jesus. And yes, we'll get into specifics of that because I know that's a, it is a very intense um, and at some points really um, conflicting idea to talk about unity because you're like, well, we all are made different. And how does this actually work out in the world? Because there are actual differences. And how does this look and how does this work out? I just want to talk about that in the next few weeks and see um, next week we're going to look at the problem. Like what is the actual issue? What is the issue itself? And I I think that the issue, I'm excited about it because I think the issue that we kind of associate with is it's not actually the issue that the Bible clearly talks about, but it's not as this verse says this specific thing. It's something that we got to tease out of it. So um, we're actually going to be looking at the Tower of Babel next week and then also the day of Pentecost. So those two things are actually really tied together in a way that some of us may have never thought about before. So um, I'm excited about that. Um, and then the next week, we're going to talk more specifics about what that actually, uh, what that actually 
you know, means and looks like and how we can tease that out as a people. So today, again, I want to make sure that we kind of get that overall uh, picture of our identity in, in God and what his in, original intended or intent was. Um, but I'm going to pray, and then I just want us to um, go into a, a time of prayer together. And I want us to ask God, like, what are the things that I'm tethered to right now that I don't realize I'm as tethered to as I am? Like, what are the things that define me, that, I, that define me so much that I am not able to see past them? So just asking God to reveal what that is so that as we go into next week that we're like, ah, God's been working on us. Does that make sense? Lord, I pray this morning that you would, um, uh, God, you would just give us a time of, um, God, would you give us a time of clarity Lord, that um, God, would you give us a, a time of, of clarity for us to like maybe for once take joy in how you made us. and that we're different and we're unique. And God, I, um, I pray God that we would take joy. It's imperfect, I know, the way that we go about it because we're humans, but God, I pray that this morning we could take joy God, we could, we could take joy in the fact that we can discover and journey through that with each other and not by ourselves. God, I pray that you'd give us a hunger for unity that is far beyond the shallow version of everybody believing the same thing or being relatively peaceful with each other. God, you didn't die. You didn't, you didn't send your son to die so that we could be relatively peaceful with each other. You sent your son so that we could legitimately be brothers and sisters. pray, God, that you would, you would reveal this morning. 